Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 26 of How Do You Write? And today, I'm talking to Danny Shapiro. Uh, she is just one of my favorite writers, so I definitely have a fangirl moment with her. She writes gorgeous novels and exquisite memoirs. And um, recently, in this last past difficult year, I have found myself reaching for devotion, her memoir about kind of searching for spirituality from a place of lapsed Judaism, um, agnostic yoga meditation, in your 40s. So basically, she wrote the book for me. But uh, it's gorgeous. And I am kind of humbled to speak to her. She's brilliant in it. She forms long, coherent, extemporaneous sentences with subject and verb agreement, which, um, you know, I tend to ramble and babble a little bit. So when I listen to somebody speaking so knowledgeably about her craft, I tend to just nod and get out of the way. Um, it's a true pleasure to talk to her. You will enjoy that part of the interview. And um, in a little quick catch up on what I've been doing, I just closed out my memoir class at Stanford. And I want to say I have taught classes about memoir before. I have never taught a 10 week course. And I've learned that it is the way to go. I have mentioned it on this podcast before, but I have loved this class, the way that they came together in a safe, supportive environment and the work that they all did and the way they all kept coming back was amazing to watch. I am just so grateful I got to be a little bit of a part of that. And I have rediscovered this passion I have for teaching memoir. I want to do a lot more of it. It's always been something that makes me nervous because you're dealing with new writers, many of whom want to talk about trauma. Uh, and it turns out that I'm good at it and I love it. And um, that opens the door for all sorts of possibilities. I am going to put together an e-course. So if you're listening to this far, far away from me, you'll be able to take my e-course. I'm going to put together a book on how to write memoir. And um, I'm so excited. I'm just kind of starting to put those ideas in action. I wanted to close out the class and give them my full attention. And now I can put my full attention onto the side of it, this uh, the, this next step of the memoir puzzle. Um, also, putting 100% of my attention in many other areas, as I do. I am leaping into the um, psychological thriller. I'm working with my agent right now on the synopsis. It's going to be unlike anything I've ever written before, so that's a little bit scary. Um, but then again, it will be my voice, so it'll be my book. I can't wait to dig deep into that, kind of rolling around in the ideas right now. This is always a fun place to be. And... Um, this year has really made me think a lot about community. If you're on my email list, uh, you know that community is maybe one of the most important things we have in life. I mean, we've got love and family and community, and some writers don't have a community. 
I am blessed in that I am surrounded by my writing community. They mean everything to me. And so on the spur of the moment this weekend, I started a Facebook group, which you, dear listener, are cordially invited to join. I'll make sure there's a link to request an invite. It is a uh, closed group. You must be approved. And if you ask, I'm going to approve you. Um, I'll have a link on that at rachelherron.com slash write. Uh, so come over and join our Facebook group. It's called Onward Writers. And it's just a place for you to talk about your goals, your dreams, what you're trying to do. It's a place to get inspiration and um, enthusiastic cheerleading. And um, there's already a bunch of people talking in there. So come by and do that. That's my update, and I'm just going to let you enjoy the interview with the amazing Danny Shapiro. Thanks a lot for listening. Hey, writers. I've got a couple of slots open for coaching. I'm pretty passionate about writing, as you may be able to tell, and I've got a proven track record of helping writers move from people who only dream about writing to people who finish books. Whether you need simple accountability or a partner in your journey to publication, I'd be more than happy to talk to you about your needs. Find out more at rachelherron.com slash coach. Now enjoy the interview portion. Okay, well, I could not be more pleased to welcome Danny Shapiro today to this podcast and class where I'm doing, I'm kind of multitasking here. This is for the How Do You Write podcast and for my memoir class at Stanford. And just let me give a little introduction for Danny if you don't know her. She is the best selling author of the memoirs Still Writing, Devotion, and Slow Motion, and five novels, including Black and White and Family History. Her work has appeared in many places, including the New York. Parker, Granta, the New York Times, the LA Times, and has been broadcast on This American Life. She was recently Oprah Winfrey's guest on Super Soul Sunday. She has taught in the writing programs at Columbia, NYU, The New School, and Wesleyan. She is a contributing editor at Condé Nast Traveler, and she lives with her family in Litchfield County, Connecticut. Her next book, Hourglass, will be published by Knopf in the spring of 2017. Welcome, Danny. Thank you. It's thank, good to be here, Rachel. Thank you so much. Uh, you're kind of, this is, I'm definitely a huge fangirl. I'm a huge fan of all your work, especially your memoirs, uh, Still Writing and Devotion. Um, but this is for a memoir-specific class, so let's get down to the nuts and bolts. How were you drawn to the art of memoir originally? You know, I really, I came to memoir as a novelist, mm-hmm. and um I had written three novels. My first novel I wrote when I was an MFA student at Sarah Lawrence, and and uh, and it was published. And then subsequently, um, I wrote two more novels, and they came out in due course. And after my third novel, something happened to me where I really felt um, that there was a story that was haunting my fiction, and that it was sort of. Um, embedded in some way in everything that I wrote and it was it had kind of on all fiction writing is subconscious uh, or somewhere between the subconscious and unconscious in it in its in its um, beginnings but I at a certain point I think the really fine fiction writer is able to harness uh, at some point that um, to you know to to be you know the, the 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 person who's walking the dog not the dog walking you and mm-hmm. And I and I just started to have this awareness that um, a, a story that had happened in my own life that I tried to write as fiction unsuccessfully. 
I really needed to write as memoir. And that was my first memoir, Slow Motion. Um, and then when I finished Slow Motion, I never thought I would write memoir again. I thought I'm, I'm, I'm done with memoir. I, um, I admire the form, but I'm a novelist. And I'm going to go back and write fiction. And in fact, I did. I wrote my next two novels, uh, Family History and Black and White, after, after I published Slow Motion. And I was right in my instinct that my fiction deepened and I definitely felt much more like I was walking the dog and the dog wasn't walking me. So it was very surprising to me when after my novel in black and white came out, this was 2007 when that novel came out, I was in my usual state of trying to just wait for the next project, for the next um, instinct to materialize. And I was in the middle of my yoga practice one day and suddenly I saw this word devotion in front of my eyes, like floating there. Nothing like that had ever happened to me before. And I instantly knew what it meant and that I needed to write a memoir about this place that I was in, in my, in, in, in my, um, I guess I was in my early forties and this, this sense of, um, uh, spiritual crisis and being the mother of a young child who was asking me questions about what I believed. But I have to tell you, Rachel, it was a completely unwelcome realization. I mean, that was going to be my question to you. How did that make you feel when you realized I, that? I, the, the, the word that I uttered at that moment <laughs> was maybe something I can't say on a podcast. No, you, could, you could say on this podcast. <laughs> no, I mean, I really, I said, shit. Like, I really, I really, didn't want to write another memoir, wasn't expecting to write another memoir. I was just waiting for the next novel to emerge. And in fact, around, you know, maybe a, a month or so later when I had written some pages and I had given them to my agent and she was in the process of, of, of selling, um, uh, of getting me a book contract for devotion. I was actually at a dinner party, uh, in Connecticut where I live and I was seated next to a literary agent, not my agent, someone I did not know. And she asked me what I was working on. And I said, well, actually, I've, I'm, I'm, my, my agent's in the process of selling my next memoir. And this woman turned to me and she said, oh, that's a big mistake. That is a, that is a huge mistake. You, you're making a name for yourself as a novelist. And you've really you know, gained such an audience with your fiction. And you should just keep on, essentially, like, keep on doing oh. the same. As if like we're making widgets, you know. Yeah. Like, let's make another widget. And um, oh, my agent was so pissed when I when I... <laughs> when I told her what had happened, but, um, I didn't, I didn't take that agent's advice. It didn't even really, I mean, I, I know enough and I've been doing this for long enough to know that we don't choose, um, the work that we're going to write next. It chooses us. Mm -hmm. And if we force that issue. We are doing so at our own peril. I really, the only times I've really gotten myself into trouble as a writer has been when I've gone down some road of, well, I should do this or this would be the smart thing to do, or, um, you know, this is what people want from me, as opposed to this is what I must write. I'm alone in a room, um, you know, with my demons and my thoughts and my dreams and my history, and whatever that next thing is, it's got to come from that place and not from some place of shoulds. Now, in my head, I'd gotten the two books, um, Devotion and Still Writing, mixed up time-wise. I had, I had thought that devotion came after still writing. What was the impetus for still writing? Was that writing. something that's that a yoga studio revelation <laughs> as well? 
No, that was actually interesting. That so I so devotion came out, and then I thought, well, now surely I will go back to fiction. <laughs> and I was doing a tremendous amount of traveling, and that's when I was on Oprah, and there was a lot of stuff that was going on. And um, actually, excuse me, that's not when I was on Oprah. I was on Oprah later, but it was for devotion. But I did a lot of traveling um, when devotion came out, and um, and I started working on a novel, and that's really the what I'm referring to as forcing something or feeling mm. like forced myself um, into um, a story based on an idea that I had and not something that was coming internally mm-hmm. from that really deep place. And I got about 120 pages into that novel and I hit a wall. And it was really painful because sentence for sentence, page for page, oh. it was some best writing I've ever done, actually. And I, and I recognized that, but it wasn't it wasn't going anywhere. It wasn't, it was a novel. I had the idea of, I really wanted to tell a story backward in time. Mm. And, um, there's a reason why there are very, very few books out there that have been told backward in time. It's because eventually you back yourself all the way into a place where you can't go back any further in time without your characters not having been born yet. Right. The problem, unless you're Marquez or, you know, unless you're doing that trying sounds to do miserable metaphysical. So I put it <laughs> in a drawer and one of the things that had happened over those years prior is that I had started a blog. The reason why I started a blog was because my publisher had said to me, writers need to have blogs. You should really blog. But I thought when I started the blog, I thought, well, what can I blog about that will keep me engaged? Because maybe if I'm engaged, other people will be engaged. And I'm not engaged by um anything confessional or what I had for breakfast or what I did today or any of mm-hmm. that look at my fabulous life kind of blog. And what I started doing was, and I arrived at it very intuitively. I started blogging about the creative process. Mm. And almost as soon as I started doing that, I started receiving um, emails from writers, writers I didn't know, writers who I admired, writers who were just starting out. And all of the notes to me, somewhere in them contained the phrase, it was almost eerie, it contained the phrase, thank you, I needed this today. Oh. And and for a writer, like, we're not doing anything anybody needs, you know, like, the world is not waiting for the next, you know, thing that we produce and saying, we need this from you. And so for the first time, when I would write one of those blog posts, it was very gratifying. I would just, I would know that I was, hel- I mean, I would realize that I was helping people Mm. and just writers. It was artists. It was anyone leading a creative life, but it never occurred to me to write a book. And then the notes kept on coming. And at some point people started assuming that I was (laughs) doing the blog in order to, um, to write a book. And people would say, so when's the book coming out? And I was like, what book? So, so here I am. I have 120 pages of a novel in a drawer I have a blog that people have been saying to me, please write a book. And finally, I thought, this is staring me in the face. And, I, and I've and i taught for over 20 years, and I, I, I may have something to say about this. So what I did was I went back and I reread books about writing that had meant, meant something to me mm-hmm. over time to see if I felt like I had anything to add to the books, to the, to the shelf full of books, great books about writing. Um, and the ones that stood the test of time for me most were Annie Dillard's The Writing Life. The best. Uh, and though she didn't intend it to be a book um, to help writers, Virginia Woolf's um, A Writer's Diary 
um, which is a book that I keep on my desk. And I thought, and there were other books that, you know, parts of which I really love, like Stephen King's On Writing. But I, but I, I thought, well, how can I make this something more than a string of short essays or anecdotes about writing or the writing life? And I realized that the glue, and the, then once again, I'm back in the territory of memoir, the glue was what formed me, like what formed me as a writer, uh, which was a little scary to me, which I've come to recognize as a good sign. It was scary because it was a little bit like we're going to look under the hood of the car here. You know, it's in certain ways, the writer is better off in the dark a lot of the time about, you know, our own motivations. And like, I, I wasn't sure what it was going to be like to my own process to examine really closely. Well, what did make me a writer? Did being an only child make me a writer? Yeah. Did growing up in a religious home where I had to observe the Sabbath with nothing else to do all day long? Did boredom, you know, give, you know, give some kind of fertile soil to my imagination? So I think it's important for me to say, though, that once I decided to do that, to write still writing, I never once went back and looked at the blog while I was writing it. I did not take my blog posts and turn them into a book. I started the book from page one, um, and I really, I might have blogged a couple of times just to keep the blog up as I yeah. was writing, still writing, but I never, a blog is a, is a different animal than a book. Yeah. And um, there's such a different feeling of like depth and, and um, care to the writing when it's something that's hopefully going to outlive you as opposed to something where you're just hitting the publish button. Um, I mean, I take a lot of care with my blog posts, but ultimately I'm writing something and I'm hitting the publish button. And so, so the book really was a very different animal than the blog. Well, I think that you have succeeded, at least in my world, you're, you're right up there with Annie Dillard now. And that book, um, her book on writing is just, I think, seminal for so many of us. And, yeah. and yours is now one that I, Tell that. everyone to get and read. Thank you. And you, you do you do manage to be confessional though in your books. Um, you do not mind going to the hard places. How do you deal with um, running things past the people that you write about? People in your life, family. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a perennial question. It's an ongoing question, um, and it's different with every piece of writing, and it's different with every book. Um, my best example of this is probably my memoir, Slow Motion, because my mother was still living when I wrote Slow Motion. And in order to be able to tell the story of Slow Motion, which is the story in large part of a very terrible car accident that my parents were in when I was 23 uh, and the death of my father and the ways in which these horrible events actually ended up turning my life around, I had to be able to write about my mother. I couldn't, I couldn't tell my story without including her story. And I had a feeling that some of it wasn't going to make her very happy. Um, and what I did when I finished, well, I did two things. One is when I was writing it, I kept on telling myself that I could change my mind and uh, that no one ever needed to read it. Uh, it's, I think it's so important. I always tell my students, your book, I promise you, is not going to leap from your desk onto the shelves of the local bookstore. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> it will not, there will nothing, no one will read it that you don't want to read it until you're ready to have that happen. So yeah. when I finished slow motion, 
I gave it to a writer friend of mine, very particularly chose her because she was the mother of a teenage daughter and she was going to be inclined to be hard on me in that way. And I asked her to, I asked her to give it a mother read, not a literary read, not a line edit, right? Anything in there that would be gratuitous that would um, injure my mother in some way. And I think gratuitous is really important because the thing that I end up feeling and I see it on the page, it reeks on the page when, when a writer does it is when the writer's taking pot shots, you know, when, 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 when there's unnecessary gratuitous, almost like showing off a kind of um, Mm -hmm. resentment. And one of my favorite, um, little anecdotes about this. Um, last summer I was on a panel with Andre Debuse, uh, the great, the great Andre Debuse. And he, um, somebody asked him that very same question about his memoir townie and, um, and said like, how, 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 how could you have revealed certain very intense and private things about your siblings, which Andre does in that book. And Andre talked about how his younger brother, was being sexually abused by a high school teacher, a woman, um, when, and he was underage. And Andre said, I would come home and walk down the corridor of our house and hear them on the other side of the door. And what happened on the other side of the door is my brother's story. Ah. What happened on my side of the door and what I heard and its effect on me is my story to tell. And I thought that that was a particularly um, evocative and clear way of, um, I mean, is it possible to write memoir and not offend and not hurt anyone? Probably not. Probably not, no. But at the same time, it's not, um, it, it has so much to do with where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Is it coming from a place of recrimination? Is it coming from a place of revenge? And how does the writer know when it is and when it isn't. Well, one really surefire way of knowing that is if you're sitting there and you're writing and you're thinking, I can't wait until so-and-so reads this. They're going to really feel bad or whatever. <laughs> then you know that you're writing from a place of um, something not having been processed enough. Or um, Edward Albee, the playwright, um, once said, um, how did he put this? He said, um, he was talking about rage, but you can substitute any emotion for this. He said, in order for rage to work aesthetically, the writer has to distance himself and write from, not from the feeling, but from the memory of the feeling. Ooh. And he goes on and he says, rage is incoherent. Observed rage can be coherent. So it's really that distance, the stepping outside and being able to look at. Yes, which doesn't necessarily require... Uh, I used to think it required many years. I used to think it required chronological distance. Um, and maybe it does earlier in a writer's life. I think, I mean, I've been doing this for 20 something years and I'm writing my 10th book now. And I, I have, I think developed a capacity to both feel and to witness, hmm. but, or to know the difference. Um, and, and to not write out of the white hot feeling, but out of a kind of transcendence, um, of the feeling or of the, of the moment, but it doesn't necessarily require, oh, I, I need to wait 10 years so that I can have 
the ironic distance to be able to write about this. I used to believe that. And I, I just like any other rule anybody ever hears about writing, the answer to all of those rules is sometimes, you know, right. some, sometimes that's true, but not all the time. Oh, that is, this is just gorgeous. I'm not going to take up any more of your time. Just in and out. This is fantastic. I guess one last question though. If you were going to give a brand new writer, let's, let's consider yourself. If you could give yourself one piece of advice as a brand new writer, what would that be? I would say understand that it's the long game mm. and that patience and the art of waiting and of not writing out of ego, not writing out of anxiety, um, but, but, but understanding that the, that, a, that a, a really beautiful and fulfilling writer's life is one in which a writer uh, is in competition with herself over the course of a lifetime, if I can say, as I feel I can up until this point, that each book of mine has been better than the last, mm -hmm. um, then that's all I can do with, you know, the patch of land, you know, that I've been given. Yeah. But to not compare, you know, to not, we live in a very noisy world. I know I'm giving five different pieces of advice now. <laughs> it's all good. It's a very, very noisy world where there's this sense um, that, uh, an artist or even like a teenage kid or, you know, anybody has to prove themselves. They have to, has to know who they are and already be somewhere before they have any business being there yet. So I would say more than anything, patience. I, I love that. And I love the yardstick. That is, that is exactly my, my yardstick. I try to, I try not to be too competitive, although I can fall into it, but every book I've written has been better than the last one. And I don't care if someone disagrees with me on that. Yeah. It's, it's what you know. It's what I know, what I measure myself to. That's right. Yeah. And, and also in that regard, understanding this kind of like, like the woman at the dinner party who said to me, you know, you, you're, you're doing this, you're getting so successful at this. Um, the writers I most admire um, reinvent themselves with every book, you know, starting a new book. I am, as scared or more scared starting my 10th book than I was starting my first or my second book because I don't know how to write that book. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how I've written the books that I've written, but I, <laughs> I can only try to learn the book that I'm writing as I'm writing it. It's like, an, it's another mountain just because you've climbed, you know, I don't know, you've climbed the one Alp doesn't mean you need know how to climb Kilimanjaro or right. you need to climb the Berkshire mountains or it's every, every mountain is different. has different terrain and every book, every project is different and has different terrain. It needs different equipment and different training and different time. Exactly. And oh, yeah. on that lovely analogy, where can listeners find you? Where's the best place to check you probably, out? Facebook probably would be my, my website, uh, which is www.dannyshapiro.com. And then on there, you can get to me on Facebook, on Instagram, all that, all that stuff. But all, a lot of my a lot of my collected work is on there, and also where I'm going to be appearing. And when my book comes out in April, um, I'll be you know all over the country, so you can find me. I would love to come find you and shake your hand and thank you for your amazing generosity. Thank you for talking to us today, You're Danny. You're so welcome. All right, Take have care. a good night. You too. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write. 
You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.